G'day sports fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. I am back. I'm making my triumphant return, well overdue return, and I'm flanked by the great man J-Lo. He joins me today as we discuss a lot of AFL fantasy topics. There's only a week to go until round one is here, so I know that fantasy coaches are very excited and eagerly anticipating round one getting underway. So we talk a bit through our teams, a couple of the uh, players that we've got different between our two sides. Uh, and then I cover a lot of the rookies as well. I did drop a big rookie piece, the Sports by Fry Fantasy Rookie Bible, if you will, on the website earlier today. I'll chuck the link in the show notes as well. So make sure you check that out. Plenty of basketball stuff is happening too. So Jayla and I dug into the Nuggets and the Cavs, two uh, popular teams on this podcast, cast our eyes a little bit over some potential playoff matchups and chopped it up about the MVP race as well. And then it wouldn't be a sit-down with JLo if we didn't at least do a Mount Rushmore draft. So this time we looked at the greatest centres in NBA history. Interesting draft. Uh, I think there is a clear winner, though. So make sure you vote for that. Make sure you subscribe to the pod for future episodes. But without further ado, you've waited long enough. Here we go. We're back. Mate, it has been a long time coming. We've had technical difficulties. We've had internet difficulties. And I know that every Sportsby fan just wants to hear me ask, how are you, J-Lo? Yeah, I'm here, mate. I'm good. I'm, it feels great to be back. Plenty going on. Really good time to be getting back into it. This is probably almost about the timing of our last podcast. So it's good to be back. Close to. Yeah, coming one year apart. Uh, let's see if we can make it at least biannual uh, in the future yeah we'll speed up the uh consistency but yeah plenty to talk about like you said we're at a really interesting point in the sporting calendar uh we're almost exactly a week from the uh afl season starting carlton richmond in the uh fantastic showcase of football that everyone looks forward to to start the season might be a good one this year yeah i feel like we say that every second last year was good well carton got up last year what happened last year right carton got up for the first time in ages and like cripper was just unreal that's my rough memory of it it will be interesting to see how the tigers and the blues look i reckon next week before the season starts we'll do a bit of a sit down and yarn about some of the actual footy stuff but we want to cover fantasy footy because let's be honest We've sat down and spent a lot of time this week pouring through our teams, our classic sides, uh, the somewhat joint Keeper League team that we got. Yep. And I'm yep. pretty happy with how the large fries and coke are sitting. Just quick one off the bat, what's the, the rating out of 10? How satisfied and happy are you with the Quisplorkin boys a week out? Four, currently. <laughs> okay. Four, if that's, oh, we got some work to do. That's generous. Nah, it's, um, this happens every year. I go really weird. And then as round one slides up closer, it slowly becomes more traditional. And I get, I over-listen to people and people's opinions and then I regret it. So I'm trying to maintain that whilst also not being too ridiculous in my (laughs) fantasy team. But it is ridiculous at the moment. So I credit you. You do come up with some unique stuff, some left of field tactics. Before actually we dive heavily into AFL fantasy, I do want to quickly acknowledge the fact that uh, I've talked a lot of smack publicly about uh, the fantasy basketball situation and J-Lo has clawed his way into the playoffs. Three and six seed matchup right now. Uh, it's looking like I'm going to lose to the bloke. So I just wanted to get that on record because I, I 
do rate myself when it comes to fantasy sports. Uh, and unfortunately, it looks like I'm going to get done. It's all about peaking at the right time. Doesn't matter how. You just got to get into the playoffs, and then from there you can you can let Chris Middleton do the work. <laughs> he's had he's had the whole year off, and now he's coming through with the goods. So delivering when it matters. Yep. Thanks, Chris. I never really liked my fantasy basketball team all year. Did pretty well. Got the number two seed, I think. But yeah, I digress. I do like the way that the large fries are coke are looking like mm. I said so uh, do, I. Yeah, do you reckon we go through like line by line talk about team yeah, however you want to run this let it fly alright let's start down back and I think we'll run through some players that are a little bit left of field and just give our opinion on them someone you might be on the fence about because let's be honest everyone's got Doherty yep. everyone's got Ruben Jinby whether he's on your field or whereabouts he's on your field most people have Yowie mm. most people have Nick Dacos but I'll start with that one because he's someone that I've had in my team all preseason. But are you worried that he's going to get tagged too much to put up like really high numbers as a defender? Yeah, I think the reason you're bringing old Nicky Dacos in is for his potential upside. Obviously, mm-hmm. averaged 86 or so last year and was phenomenal. And you're pr- picking him because you think he's going to go closer to that 9,500. I think after the preseason, um, that you know it was only one game that he got pretty well tagged out of uh it's that hawks game i guess yeah Yeah. um got tagged out of it it was enough to worry me out of it at this point of the season i'm wanting to pick people i'm sure are going to either outperform or at least you know if you're picking one of the top dogs you're hoping they're going to hit their 110 if it's brayshaw or whoever um and i just don't quite have the faith in dacos post pre-season one or two weeks in um, very happy to make the move if he proves me wrong, but that's kind of where I'm sitting with Dacos. I'm just not sure that he's going to get it done. If that makes sense, that's totally fair. I mean, there's plenty of value that you can have in the back line as well. Like I can't remember if I mentioned Yoey's name or not when I was talking about the popular picks. He's in 38 percent of teams at mm. the moment. And then there's someone like Will Day. If you went him over Dacos, that saves you like 230 grand, mm. which is the difference between like a you know Tom Green or Clayton Oliver so there's not tons of points I reckon up for grabs in the back line we yeah. talked about having Doherty but I think Jordan Dawson's probably the second best defender if you could do you reckon it's Doc 1 Dawson 2 you should lock in those two primos yeah it feels a bit harsh to overlook Jack Sinclair but he was a bit mm. of a breakout bloke last year and his role you're just not sure in that Saints side um, he could well hopefully he runs coach. Yeah, hopefully he runs through the guts and anyone who picks him now feels really good. But you're just not sure about it. Not sure about his role. None of us know how the Saints are going to go year to year. Um, Ain't that the truth? Yeah, so I'm going to go Dawson number two um, with with credit to probably Jack Sinclair. But I f- would feel better about James Sicily. Probably feel mm. better about Brayshaw. I'm sure there's some of you know, Aaron Hall if he's actually playing I feel more sure of him um, which is weird I don't know why that's the case but I feel like a lot of people are in that boat probably only in 5% of teams or something old uh, Sinclair Sinker, I yeah. think 10% okay. yeah 10% that does surprise me a bit but I think last year was really his first big fantasy year you mm. know like we saw that he was a bit susceptible to the tag at times but at the end of the day I was like I think I pounced on the bloke. He's just coming off like a 140 against West Coast, a 130 yeah, or something. I'm like, one. oh, we got to have that dude. 
Well, he averaged less than 80 the year before. Mm. So that's a 30-point, 20-point call-it jump. So, yeah, I do feel like it was, maybe that was a bit of a flash in the pan. We go back down to like a mid-90s average. Cicely's the other one that you mentioned, that after watching him in the preseason, and it was mainly in their first hit out, which I forget who they played. Yeah, I but, can't remember. Um, there was a lot of times, especially early, where it just seemed like he was taking the kick out or if they were trying to switch the play, he was involved. So it wouldn't shock me if he was like top two or three defender this year, mm. new skipper, yep. could get a lot of points. Uh, I think he's a great pick anyway, but probably an upgrade target. Will Day is another hawk that's getting a lot of buzz and interest uh, as the season etches closer. Still only in 8.5% teams, but it seems like he's playing inside mid or at least more midfield time. Are you going to try and squeeze him in, do you reckon? Or is he just in that awkward price bracket? He's like mid-500s. You don't want too many of those dudes in your squad. Yeah, he's he, with Warple in my midfield and a few other blokes like Sheed, I don't feel too comfortable. And also just probably don't have the bank to cough up mm. 500. Uh, would rather go basement rookie or someone similar and then chuck that money to use somewhere else. Um, but... With that said, he's getting plenty of midfield snaps. It feels like the Hawks were pretty full strength during the preseason run. Can you think of any mids that have to come in? Not really. Yeah. I think Warple, Ward, and Newcomb will have the like the main share of work there. Yeah, yeah. And you got McKenzie, and yeah, not with no that. Out. With that said, I feel like he should get ten CBAs a game, which is mm. solid. Um, but I just don't. I just can't justify it personally at this point. That's fair. Um, all right, I'm going to give you a couple of quick fire defender names. You just you can go a sentence. You can just go yeah, nah. Right. Uh, Andy McGrath. Uh, very tempt. I think he might currently be in my side. Um, still worry over his mm. over his role, but you feel what's he priced at? Eighty four. Oh, I feel like he's getting the eighty one. Yeah. So you can at least put him in, knowing he's going to get. He's break even, I feel I'd like. agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe Tommy Stewart, there. next one up. Uh, always uh, peren- perennial top six. Like, he'll end up in my side. Yep. Uh, Liam Jones, 321k, the Bulldogs defender, had like a dozen marks last week, but it was in a capitulation of North Melbourne's side. So do you believe that Jonesy could be like a bit of an inflated cash cow? Honest to God, don't know enough about him. I was thinking of the port. Jones, the Lockie Jones. Oh, Lockie Jones. So, no, I don't know. No nah. comment. <laughs> you go, well, you, maybe. You know what? I think that I kind of agree with you. I don't right. think there's a, a comment necessary. What's he, what's he's he a worth? key defender. He's 321, had a good practice game, but I'm like, nah, there's tons of other rookies and blokes okay. that are cheaper than him around that price. If you wanted to go like Charlie Constable, you feel much safer that he's going to score well. Sure. So, yeah. Nah. Right. Uh, Hayden Young, because he started in my team this preseason. Mm. I was very high on him, but... Luke Ryan's been a bit banged up, so Young had to play a bit more lockdown in a couple of the hitouts through the preseason against South Australian teams. But mm. he might be an upgrade target for me, but I'm not sold on him to start the year. Priced at 88 for what it's worth. It's just not a sure thing, and I th- that's what you want this time of year, someone you can be sure of, so not quite for me. Similar mould to Dacos. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, speaking of sure things, let's transition into the midfield. Okay. I currently don't have Rory Laird in my team. Yeah. And I'm not okay with it. Mm. I've chopped and changed a little bit to try and get him in my side. And I do wonder if I'm going to pull the trigger before the season starts. He's in a quarter of squads. He obviously costs over a million bucks, but 
I did say to you as well the other day that I think there's going to be a bit of daylight between him and the rest of the midfield crop. I wouldn't be shocked if he went out and honestly averaged exactly what he did last year, if not bettered it, like put up a 127 average. He mm. looked that good in the preseason. He was tackling his dick off. So I genuinely think that he is going to boss it this year. Yeah, no, I tend to agree, mate. Um, I guess you sort of get to the points per price kind of mm. situation yeah. with him. Not sure if it's worth it. Um, I can't justify the price, but I'm a weirdo. So probably don't listen to me on the Roy Laird and lock him in, boys and girls. Yeah, the dollar per point is 8800 which for whatever that means, I compared mm. it to like some of the other top line dudes. It's virtually the same. Yeah. yeah. So it reflects his average. I do think if you can squeeze him in, he's going to be great. Mm. Uh, talk about a couple of the primos because you could say that there's probably eight to 12 blokes you feel pretty confident can get your 105 plus. Which ones are you the most confident in? If we were to kind of just have that top tier of fantasy dudes, like the 10 dudes that are usually picked in first in most drafts, mm. stuff like that. Who do you reckon are the best midfielders that you have confidence in uh, rolling into this year? Oh, boy. Look, any of the Took, Steele, Mills, Oliver, Brayshaw, uh, what's that? Quint- Quinella? Yep. Quinella? Yep. Quin- Quintet? Yep. Quinella? That, that tomato, thing. tomato. Uh, I feel pretty good about them just sort of hitting their, what they're expected to average. Um, I'd be the keenest on Brayshaw out of all those, just because he's, what, going to year five or so. He might get the tag, but, you know, you're a 23-year-old or whatever it is. You just sort of figure out the game a bit more. So, I feel like yeah. he's got the most upside. Um, feel very good about Millsy as well. Um, and the other one, the low-key one is Brad Crouch. I think he's one of mm. them. And he's got the... Don't have that. One of the highest flaws out of all fantasy players. And I reckon if you look back at his stats last year probably not often he was going under 90 just because he gets the tackles he's always in the midfield Jackie Steele misses sometimes Zach Jones you can't rely on he's the one midfielder that's consistently scoring for them so I don't mind Brad Crouch he'll go untouched by everyone all year and then we'll look back in 12 months time and be like geez it was a top eight again far out yep. who would have thought I honestly reckon I'm getting to the point now where I've got a bit more faith in Brad Crouch than Jack Steele wow uh, okay. I've gone a bit off the boil for Steely. He was my M1 slash M2 the whole preseason. And now that I just kind of watched him play through the preseason and some of the things I've heard out of St. Kilda, like just stuff about Ross talking about him, like wanting to be a better leader, a better captain. Like he's not Steele, isn't known for like pushing around the ground, getting a lot of cheap mark kicks. He like mm. leads by example. So I do wonder if, you know, he'll be still getting tons of tackles and probably average year 105. But I do wonder if he'll be like in the fringe top eight mix yep uh so i could see crouchy having another ripper i do agree with you about brayshaw there's a lot of people talking about the tag i'm like well he got tagged at Mm. times last year and he i think he didn't go under 75 all year so you know if he's not your captain it's not the end of the world took miller i'm big on still might even chop and change him into my side because uh, the bloke that's sitting in his spot at the moment is Baz Lenka smith who mm. i think is going to have another ripper year yeah priced at 105 I reckon he does that again, and I'd be very interested to see if he starts the year hot, how many people jump on like last year, mm. or if he's a bit cold, then vice versa. A uh, couple of other mid-tier, like tier, mid-priced guys. If you had to pick one of LDU or Tom Green, who I think are 
both in your side, right? Yeah, they are. At the Same moment. with me. So there's about 70 or 80 grand difference. Would you rather have the extra cash and Tommy Green or go LDU? Um, tricky one. I think LDU is going to average more, but I think Tom Green will outperform his average or what he's priced at more. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think Tom Green will go pretty close to the Hundy. I'm hoping LDU goes close to that 105, 110. But um, I'd go LDU just because he looked fantastic in the preseason. He looks great. He looks like Pat Cripps. Yeah, honestly. I tend to agree. I think Tommy Green might... He might have more touches than LDU does this year, but I think LDU's like entire impact with couple snags, tackles, stuff like that, I think he'll probably average more and yep. probably be a, a safer fantasy punt. What if you went, we had this half chat the other day, LDU or Jai Simpkin? Because Simpkin was one that I was keen on in the preseason. Mm. He is hardly owned by anyone. Kind of suffers from a similar Brad Crouch disease. Don't think you'll get picked by many people. He's in 1% of teams right now. Mm. Could you just pivot from the LDU pick and grab Simpkin, who's a co-captain rolling into his first year under Clarko? Pretty happily, I'd say. Mm. But, you know, it's you You got to... I feel weird having both, even though I think they'll both go great. Yeah, I would too. Um, yeah, I, I love them both and I would like to find space. But LDU's just been pretty locked in for a while for me, so I haven't had Simpkin through, but... I think he's just as likely to have a huge year and could probably go higher. I feel like he's more consistent. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Can't argue. Uh, all right. A couple of those cheaper options again. So a mm -hmm. lot of people in either their fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth midfield spot will have some combination of Dom Sheed, <laughs> Jimmy Warple and Finn Callahan, who's made his way into my team today. He's about oh, almost 200 grand cheaper than Dom Sheed. Callahan, that is. And mm -hmm. then the warp, he's real cheap as well. 60 grand more than Callahan, about mid 400. So if you had to rank those three blokes based on their value that they offer and the potential scoring upside for starting picks, how would you rank the trio? Because I think I've got an idea in my head, but it's not much between the three of them. It's a, a tricky one. I, I feel like Warple could go the best out of all of them. Yeah. Um, with that said, I feel like Sheed's probably the safest pick, um, which is why a lot of people have started with him. feel like he should go pretty close to 90, um, which is one of those blokes you're like, oh, I'll deal with that in round 17, you know? Yeah, you can, can just sort address of, it around the buyers if you have to. That's it. it. Set and forget. I uh, must admit, don't know enough about Finn Callahan or what his role might be this year. It's still, if he's a mid, seems like it's going to be tough to get snaps you've got cogs you've got kelly you've got whitfield you've got green i'm sure i'm forgetting one or two oh um, perryman's playing heaps of inside time so whether he gets the midfield minutes i'd be worried um but you probably gonna have to lead that one because i don't know enough about old finos mccallow yeah it'd be nice if he was playing a bit more inside mid throughout the preseason but he still looked really good just complimenting a lot of those dudes that you named like we talked about the other day how Tom Mitchell's probably gone off the boil a bit for everyone because he's at the bottom of packs just firing out that handball. And a lot of times it seemed like the kick down the line or the chip kicking board or the handball out was going to Callahan. Mm. So I do wonder if, you know, new coach, third year player, priced at 54. No, sorry, his break even's 46. Mm. So I do wonder if we're just overthinking him. Like that's like the stereotypical, I'm going to break out and average 75, 80 this year. So I think I'm leaning towards him 
number one out of that three. And the only thing that worries me that makes me pick Sheed over Warple is just a little bit of how crap Warple's disposal is. And like he was dropped at times last year. We talked about some of the other young guns and Will Day coming into that midfield. Maybe uh, Sammy Mitchell tries to you know teach him a lesson round four or five if he's kicking shit still. So mm. does worry me a bit. I do think the three of them are all pretty good picks. Like I said, there's not much between the group, but I'm leaning Callahan at the moment for the extra dosh as well. Like I said, it's like 180 grand difference between him and Sheed. So mm. that becomes very handy around the ground. Do you, uh, what do you think Callahan's going to average though? I reckon he'll go 75. Okay. Whereas Warple and Sheed could go 90. Yeah, very you know? true. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're going to pay for it, but I do feel like they're, there's that potential just like, God, don't have to touch them. Yeah. Thank goodness. Whereas you might be fiddling around with old Callahan. Yeah, could do. There's not much difference with either going uh, Warble over Callahan, like 50, 60K. Right. Compared yep. to a Sheeter, that's probably a better mm. option. But yeah, I just I think I just got burnt by him when he was shit. He, maybe not even last year, the this year before. The warp. the warp. Yeah. So I'm just just very tentatively uh, watching him. Yeah, I was just quickly on Warple's disposal. Obviously, watching a lot of West Coast in the preseason, and just like the last few years, their disposal is crap. Mm. So it's one of those things you feel like during the season isn't the time to kind of deal with it. So I wonder if obviously he got dropped last year a little bit, old Warpedo, but I wonder if uh, Sammy Mitchell is really going to want to address that mid-season. Yeah, you know, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Suppose it depends a bit on if anyone else. Bob's up, sticks their hand up. Yep. Um, all right, a couple of other characters in short, quick fire. Uh, let's talk Marcus Bontempelli. Because I kind of rate him as a unique pick. I think he's going to be the best dog. Mm. Don't know I that He's going to have a huge year. Uh, Zach Merritt. I've started with him, and he's sort of fallen out because <clears throat> I feel like there's, there's a lot of value in the midfield, but you'd be pretty... I'd feel good about starting with him. If he was the, my most expensive mid, I'd still feel good. Yeah, don't hate that. Uh, he's been in and out of my team, actually, now I think about it. Uh, Darcy Parrish is about 888. So what's that? Price almost bang on 100. He, he's shown very high ceiling, but very low floor as well. Yeah. So it's a big yo-yo. I'm, I haven't given him too much consideration or thought, to be honest, but mm. he's a bloke that could just pop an average 110, no dramas. And we'd be like, oh, that was pretty obvious right in front of us yeah I think I said it last season that I was wanted to start with him you did yep, but I remember that. then he had a bit of a weird end and yeah he's just freaked me out a bit you want to be sure and I'm not sure on him but I totally agree he might be a top six mid by the end of the season very possible yeah uh, Ruckman this is a very interesting position because mm. I have had Scotty Lysette sitting in my second ruck spot for ages mm-hmm. thought that he was a lot of value and there's other players that people are trying to pivot towards and pick some slightly cheaper options than the mainstream two but i've come back to just having timmy english and rowan marshall both at r1 and r2 and i'm assuming you've got the same yeah did the exact same just don't want to deal with the gorn grundy um like Roy marsh is a must pick in my opinion and timmy he's you know showed last year that he was the best averaging Ruckman, I think. Yep. Um, just if he can stay on the deck, uh, which you hope in years five or six or whatever it is. Yeah, hasn't played a full season yet in his career, which mm. is a bit alarming. But yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of, you know, play 
out of 22 games, he got you 18 or yeah. 19. So yeah. I think as well, given his price point, you can have him. And if Max Gorn looks really good with Grundy in the side or Witsy looks like he's going to average 100 or O'Brien, you can just kind of flick to one of them and it's not a huge deal. You're not losing tons. Yeah. Uh, outside of those two then, who intrigues you the most as a ruck? Because I've been having a look at Gorney, haven't considered picking him, but he's only 13 grand more than Timmy English, so I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the year Gorn, English, Marshall were like the top three rucks. Mm-hmm. I do think that he can get around the ground and score really well. But a lot of people are considering someone like Jared Witts, who's priced at 90 uh, had a really good preseason. Obviously, doesn't have competition for his job. Sean Darcy, he's priced at 86, but the Jackson factor might impact some of his ruck load. So, is there anyone that jumps off the page to you and you're like, oh, if I couldn't pick those two, the English Marshall combo, I'd definitely be looking at this character. I think I'd feel the best about Jared Witts. Mm, yeah, um, I agree. Very solid. Probably going to average 90, which is what he's priced at. Um, maybe go over a few times. Wouldn't feel too crappy about Sean Darcy. Um, And for some reason this preseason, I've just eyed off Mark Blitzarves a lot. I don't know what that's about or why I feel good about him (laughs) for any reason. But, you know, come off all Australian, plays all over the place. So, I don't know if you're feeling really funky. He would be a very, very unique character. And like, you know, great draft pick for those leagues because midfield ruck yeah. like, I don't think there's anyone in the league that I've seen with midfield ruck status before yeah. I would miss Cat yeah we'll see Could uh, is, he, is that what he is right now yeah uh, it's a bummer he can't get defender yeah that know? would be a bonus anyway you wouldn't, carry on. yeah I can't see him chewing too many uh, coaches midfield spots um, alright a couple of cheaper alternatives we've talked about Sammy Darcy can I sell you on Luke Jackson priced <laughs> at 71 oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably not. No, that's okay. Because <laughs> no, he not. was in, I think, the first makeup of my team. And then I was like, all right, let's 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 take this a bit more serious. You never know, but nah, I don't think so. Uh, almost identical price point is Scotty Lysette. He's averaged 85 in his last full healthy season. Mm. And he's priced at 70. Could you, you know, you save, what, 200, uh, 180 grand going him over Marshall. 280 grand if you go on him over English. Do you reckon there's any appeal in going for Scotty Lysette? Well, there's $200,000 worth of appeal. Um, But that would be all it was. You wouldn't be... You pretty much know you're going to average 15, 20 less points. Um, And I would just be... I would be more worried about Lysette getting injured than Tim English. Yeah, fair. You know, he's old. (laughs) Yeah, what is he, like 31? He's older than me. Oh, yeah, 31's getting right up there. Yeah. Uh, last <laughs> character to talk about. Boy, close to your heart. Callum Jamison. Mm. Break even to 39. Nick Nat's banged up. You couldn't put him at 345k on your bench. But wow, wow. <laughs> you could and just guaranteed to play round one and make you like, I don't know, 100 grand. It could happen. Uh, if you told me that at the end of last year, I would have laughed you off the <laughs> podcast. Um, but he looked really solid in the Crows game. I can't really remember in the game before. It was a bit of a dog's breakfast watching those KO streams. Yeah, but it was a bit of a shot. Mate, he was jumping well. He was getting around the ground. He just looked like he something had clicked. So I wouldn't feel terrible about it. Um, <laughs> in fact, you know that's what I'll end up doing. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tim English to Cal Jameson from a R2 and just put the money elsewhere. If English gets injured, mark my words, yeah. there's the early life raft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just get on Jamo to make some money. Yeah, that's right. So yes and no. Uh, don't know what that don't know if that's a solid answer or not. Please don't shoot us uh, DMs when at round six you've traded for Callum Jamison and he scored thirty and he's playing for uh, yeah. the West Coast Waffles side. Yeah. Don't do that. Uh, the forwards. Everyone has Josh Dunkley second Good. most popular player in the game behind his teammate mm-hmm. most if not everyone has Timmy Taranto he's in 52% of sides a lot of people have Connor Rosie but everyone else has jumped on the Errol Goulden train mm. in the last week or so and I'm very 50-50 because he wasn't exactly in my plans before that game I rate the dude mm. I think I had him at one point last year but uh, I don't know if what potential upside he has because he's priced at you know a low 80 can i see him averaging like 100 105 probably not he's probably like a 90 odd player which is still a lot of upside in year three four three i think but there's just other dudes that i like i think more in my forward line where do you sit on the golden because i don't think i think you're in a similar boat you didn't have him before his massive 177 eh? nah and still don't just because do I trust him to average over 83 in the first five weeks? Not not yet. Mm. Um, but if in week one he has 120, I'm happy to change my tune and start to adjust accordingly. But Cal Mills didn't play in that 177 he had. Very good which, point. Which, you know, 20 touches probably go to at least to him. He's their best midfielder. Yeah. Um, Lukey Parker's got to get his touches. Chad Warner, everyone expects to progress a bit more so you're kind of like where's this where's this coming from you know fox was all right row bottoms a solid player a lot of players are going to take touches and the swannies aren't necessarily well actually i haven't looked this stat up someone look it up for me but it doesn't feel like they're a really high disposal team in the way that the dogs or the giants are mm. so you feel comfortable in having four dogs and three giants i don't know about three sydney swans so that's sort of where I sit on Errol. I don't trust him to outperform his 83 just yet. Um, happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, I tend to agree. Like I said, he came into my side almost purely off that massive score and because I've always been a fan. But there's a couple of characters that I just want more in my team and he's just priced at not an awkward price, but I just, I've got a lot of dudes in that similar bracket mm. mainly in my midfield but I'm like mm. what's he 730 or something 735 from memory yeah. oh there you go the team that averaged uh, the most disposals per game last year was the Fremantle Dockers there you go Swans were 13th in the league for mm. what it's worth so, right. yeah I think I have a bit more faith that Warner has a lot more points this year uh, he Goulden probably will still get to his 90 but mm. like you said can he he'll probably be going 87 88 after the first five and you're like mm. You haven't done tons for me. Uh, the Port Adelaide trio of Butters, Connor Rosie, and Jason Horn Francis are pretty interesting. Hmm. Everyone's keen on Rosie. I've got him. A lot of people are keen on Horn Francis. He's now in 13% of teams, but no one is taking a punt on Zach Butters. He's in three and a half center sides, and I can kind of see why everyone's doing it, but where do you stand on those three? Because have you got. Rosie and Horn Francis or nah, just JHF? Just Jacko Horn Francis at this point. Uh, yeah. Would love Connor Rosie. Don't feel good about Butters. Probably the exact same as everyone else. Didn't have a great preseason. Seems to be the sort of odd man out 
in that port midfield um, despite the space opening up with Carl Amon nicking off. Feels like Jack O'Horn France has just taken the the few midfield snaps that Eamon was getting. So uh, I'm sure Butters will have a good year, but definitely he's third on my list. Just It's just the trust thing. Do I feel like his floor is solid? Mm, not really. And he showed it the last year or two. So all aboard the Rosie train. He's yeah. the one. Another one of those yo-yo type performers, Zach mm. Butters, I think. Mm. I'm trying to find his numbers up here, but I'm not doing it fast enough. But it says his lowest score was 34 last mm. year. I have mm. a hunch that was like injury affected, but he's known to just drop some sub 50s and then go 118 the next week. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think I'm in a similar boat. I've got obviously Horn, Francis and Rosie in my team, and I'll rate both of them over Zachy Butters. Uh, the other bloke that I haven't mentioned is Stephen Canelio. Mm. Very popular player as well, so it's not exactly a stab in the dark starting with Cogs but his numbers did go down a bit after the Pracky game which again I think is probably us just reading into one random scratchy a bit too much but out of that because I've got Green and Callahan, we've talked about how Josh Kelly's coming in and could be a Rolls Royce again this year how do you view that Giants midfield because there's a lot of blokes that are going to potentially reap the rewards of Taranto and Hopper leaving who do you think gets like the lion's share of the fantasy points up for grabs wow it's a good question you don't ever feel confident in Lockie Whitfield anymore he's just too nah, light agreed he's to put on some bulk um <laughs> yeah I feel like Kelly's the one I feel like Cogs will still sp- look who who do we to know but Cogs feels like he's just not as much of a sure thing as Taranto or Dunkley. Um, yep. And he, he definitely feels like a buy low candidate. Wait till he has a couple of stinkers. He's, he, every year he has a couple of 50s or 60s where you go, perfect, jump on him. Then he'll, average, then he'll have a 170 and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to wait on Cogs just to see what happens. It's a good question. I don't know who's going to get the lion's share other than kelly but um yeah cogs just feels risky to me i don't know what it is yeah i kind of agree and it's i think it's a little bit similar vibe with what i talked about with jack Steele. yeah like cogs will be the right i'll go up forward and you know put some defensive pressure on to try and lock the ball in forward for the ball like do the captain thing sacrifice to get greeny in the midfield or whatever it might be Mm. which does get blown out of proportion a bit but yeah i genuinely think that what you said about him having a couple of low scores to have his price dip is very likely and that way you can jump on him after he's uh, lost a little bit of cash off the top of his head. With Cogs, I will mention um, probably a lot of people jumping off him after this most recent practice match. He got the same amount of time on ground as Noz Anderson, who also had a shitty one, about Mm. 60, just low 60s. But he still managed to get his way to, what is it, 77, whereas Noz Anderson was way down at like 50. So, you know, if you're kind of weighing that up, that I don't know if Cog's got the a tough run in that pracky match. Like, yeah, that's I something think he got to a take bit of a away. Corky at some point. Yeah. Sat some time. Still so. got a good score of yeah. 60% game time. So I think he will score well. I just. I don't know, it just freaks me out a bit, old Cogs. Yeah, not a starting pick for me. It's an upgrade target. Um, all right, speed round again with the forwards. Where do you sit on Toby McLean? Because he, uh, he was popular in the preseason. Had, I think it was 100 
in the final against the Dockers last year. I like how cheap he is, but he's never really been in serious consideration for me. And then he didn't score fantastic in the preseason game as well. I think he had 50-odd, maybe a bit less. And they, like I said, whooped north. So 400 grand. Could you still pick Tobias McLean? Well, not after that preseason match. That sort of... He did his dash there, didn't he? Yeah, I um, think so. Yeah, that'll, that's all I'll say on that. Das Cameron. Mm. Now, I mentioned him with the forwards because he wasn't playing as much ruck time as we thought, and that's probably why a lot of people have jumped off. Mason Cox has shown that you know he, he's got a big pair of hands and he can stand still and jump to be a marking target inside 50, but he's a ruckman. Das Cameron probably does offer a bit of value to Collingwood as a forward. We've mm. seen him be able to take a clunk and he's pretty mobile around the ground, so... Are we overthinking the fact that Cox is probably going to be the lead ruck, or at least 50-50? Should we give Cameron a bit more consideration? Priced at 82. Yeah, well, we probably are. Probably overthinking it a little bit. He's probably going to... You're right. He's not necessarily a hit-out guy mm. for score. Um, but just show me it. You know, I don't feel confident that he's going to get that 82 right now. In four games' time, I might be... Eating my words, Change but tune. yep, just prove it to me. He's, he's a weight for me, potential upgrade. There's really, honestly, no other forwards to talk about because I was looking before. I was like, oh yeah, you know, there's a couple of backmen, a couple of mids, there's plenty of ruckmen. Forward line is yuck outside of the top four or five yeah. this year. Um, all right, before we transition into actual footy, you may have noticed that I didn't mention a single thing about rookies during. Mm. Uh, that part and that is because i think the rookies are obviously my uh, bread and butter and they're the most important thing that we'll probably discuss today on the podcast because i dropped the 20 most important rookies and cash cows for 2023 on the sportsby site have you read it yet Nah, I didn't oh well, that's good because lucky for you i can very quickly go through it and give you the uh, nuts and bolts let's do so, it so i think let's go similar with what we did we'll go via position some people are having one rookie. Some people are having two rookies on your field in the back line. I think if one of them's Ruben Jinby, doesn't really matter. He'll probably be there most of the year. He's someone that I view as like around 15, 16, like your last, or call it like your third last rookie going off your field. Mm-hmm. Hopefully maybe it's sooner than that. But yep. Yep. Alex Chincotta is someone that uh, is getting a lot of buzz lately. Carlton, a VFL, I think best and fairest runner up last year. 26, mature age, average 70 from 20-odd games. So he could score pretty well, slot into hopefully that Zach Williams role. And then there's Lockie Cowan, his teammate, drafted out of the Tasmanian Allies team, led all draftees in kicks. Uh, you got Darcy Wilmot playing a bit on the wing for Brisbane. He's 200k defender that I think most people will have on their bench if he's picked. Played three finals last year and averaged around the 50 mark. And the last one's Campbell Chesser, who... I think he's going to play a bit of wing time, should hopefully score reasonably well. Uh, there's some people that are a bit concerned that Jinby, because he's playing in the back line, will score a bit less, and therefore Chesser might actually be the rook to target for the West Coast boys. But those five, I reckon, are probably the most important down back. Do you know if the Dome, uh, how many of them you've got in your squad? Uh, at least three of them. Yep. Yeah, probably don't have the second Carlton bloke. Yeah, he's Lockie Cowan's touch and go to play round one. There's talk that they're going to play him, Chinkotta and Ollie Hollands, another bloke I'll talk about soon. But, yeah, watch your space. So okay. have you got one or two rookies in defence at the moment? 
that's a good question. Uh, I think technically only Junbi, but yeah. that's with Jaden Hunt. And you've got th- how many in the mids? Two? Yes. Oh, well, Ashcroft and Phillips. Yep. Sort of counts. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. They're, the, they're the midfield rookies. Again, those two, I reckon. Ashcroft could honestly average 100 this year. I reckon he's going to be that good, as good as advertised. Will Phillips, I'm starting to cool a little bit on because, mm. you know, he's somewhat small. He's playing inside mid. He, I'm pretty sure his last year of junior footy was in 2020, like the COVID year. So that got wiped out. And the year before that, he was playing under like, I don't think it was Matty Rao. But anyway, there were some other draftees that were higher up on the depth chart. So he played like half forward instead of midfield. So he hasn't played tons of footy recently. He had glandular fever all last year. So, you know, he's in 41% of teams. Break even a 30. I think he's definitely a good starting pick. But it might be wise if you've got him to bench him, at least initially, just see how he goes they've got uh, West Coast first up so there might be some points up for grabs but I won't be shocked if we see a, a shittier score or two from Phillips start of the year Cam McKenzie you got him uh, floating around on the side somewhere in there yeah. yeah I think he's another good midfield pick Ollie Hollands I talked about as well they're both top 12 draftees from this season and I think a big thing a bit of a tangent a big thing with the rookies this year is you, like you've got to pay up for some of these top draftees like I've got a 290k, 280k, and 213k bloke on my bench, so I think doing that, you know, even if they're not playing, at least then you can potentially chop some out. Um, and Matty Roberts from the Swans is the other midfielder that I want to mention. He averaged uh, six points playing for the Sydney Swans in the AFL side last year, but 90 in VFL. So I think he's another good pick. Um, and I'll quickly burn through the forwards because I'm on a roll. Harry Sheasel, Matthias Philippou. Bailey Humphrey, all top 10 picks. Pick any of them that get named. I feel pretty confident that Sheezel will be that last like forward rookie for most coaches. You might get Will Ashcroft or Will Phillips getting forward status, which could become handy throughout the year. But Sheezel looks like a boss. Humphrey's big for his age as well, so I wouldn't be shocked if he came in and played a bit of a role at Gold Coast in their midfield. And Matthias Philippou might score average, but... He's not too bad as well. Another popular pick at 45%. Uh, do you know roughly how your rookies are looking if you're going to have 30 green dots or do you reckon you're quite happy to have a bloke not playing so that you can utilise that as like a loophole or an emergency here or there? I'll probably look to have 29. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, you do want to have that one loophole spot. Someone you think's going to play or, you know, like a Ruckman backup or some shit. And there's plenty of like Fergus Green, a forward rookie, Luke Pedler, Matty Roberts, like I mentioned already. There's a couple of other characters that um, are that that cheap basement price that you can squeeze in. But I think, you know, if you want to try and have as many green dots as possible, there's rookies up for grabs. I think I'm going to be in a somewhat similar boat, but I want to have Samson Ryan as my R3. And I know it's annoying and frustrating because he's playing Thursday night and I'm not going to be able to change it and use him as a loophole but mm. I genuinely think he's like the best ruck rookie option I don't think any of them are great but I think he could play because he looks solid in the preseason probably needs injury to break through to that side but got a lot of faith in what uh, Samson can score okay yeah don't know enough about him I saw him playing up forward a little bit and have a have a crack champ you do uh, know quite a bit about 
West Coast though. So Sometimes. we will get into some basketball and then of course the Mount Rushmore, but yep. we don't want everyone to be sitting here for two or three hours. So let's just do a quick fire bit on how we feel about our respective teams one week out of the season. Where are the coasters going to go in 2023, JLo? Uh, still a lot of work to do. Yeah, okay. So, like, that's what I said All right, great update. The, Let's yeah. uh, go to talk about Fred. With the, I just think their, their ball use is just nowhere near the mark. They just look rushed. It's what happened mm. last year and potentially even the year before. Um, whereas you come to expect a really clean West Coast side which doesn't seem to be the case. So I think we're gonna, it's gonna be an improvement year. I think we'll be hovering around 14th. Okay. There you go. I, before the season, oh, actually before the preseason, call it like three or four weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I think West Coast can make the eight. I think they can really push up. I think mm. they can, you know, get their veterans healthy. Obviously, they'll learn a lot from these young... The younger blokes will benefit from having them on the roster. They'll be fine. Simo's a great coach, great culture at the club. Mm-hmm. But then I had a bit of a think about it and I thought about the other teams that are going to improve and I'm like, hmm, well, maybe I'll just like have a look and bet they're over for wins because everyone's probably p- picking them in the bottom four. Yeah. And they're over under from memory is like eight wins and I'm like, Ugh. maybe I won't be picking the coasters over, but... I think that they're going to improve. I think yeah. it'll be very interesting. It's, there's always something exciting about seeing like the young rookies, mm. new faces at the start of a rebuild. Like I didn't. I don't think we've mentioned his name yet, but I'm really excited to see what Elijah Hewitt does this year as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, got a bit of like dusty about him, so I could see the coasters improving. I reckon. I reckon they'll finish twelfth. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. And you're right, the the midfield, like the uh, Yoey back and Shuey healthy and Kelly not on his own, Sheed back, it could really work, but uh, there's a lot of other sides that I think are going to get better, like you said, and I think our fucking, our skills are probably the worst in the league. So it doesn't equate to a lot of wins, old West Coast. Yeah, I do know all about poor skills because that was a uh, favourite Fremantle mantra mm. for a period of time, but... I'm pretty optimistic about what the Dockers have got this year. I think the highlights that I've watched of that Port Frio scrimmage, it looks like Fifey is going to be a real asset up forward. Hmm. Is he going to kick 50 goals? Probably not. Is he going to kick like 35, 38? Probably. Is that, he going to play 10 games? Yeah, well, that's the, the big under? one, right? I don't know. He and Ta- How many games do you reckon he and Tabernar play together this year? Hmm. Like, the over-under that would be four or five. Yeah. yeah. So if we can... Keep most of those boys on the park. He's still got a couple of other dudes like Jai Miss and Tr- Josh Tracy that can kick it, helps kick a winning score as well. I love the midfield rotation we've got now. It's like a pretty consistent, solid quartet of Sarong, Brayshaw, Brody, and O'Meara. And then you just obviously could utilize any of those four dudes elsewhere on the ground. They're very uh, solid footballers. Some of them are budding stars, others not so much. But I'm confident that the Dockers can at least prove that last year wasn't a fluke. They'll probably finish in like the bottom four of the top eight, you know, in the five, six mark. But I expect them to be pushing for a top four spot for the majority of the year, kind of like what they did last year. Yep. No, I think you're pretty right. I think it's maybe selling yourself short, not making that top four. Well, I'm Should be the goal. Anyway. Always a pessimist as a Fremantle yeah. fan. So yeah. uh, if you were to make just quick useless random one, because I've been thinking about this, if you were going to... Have a guess as to who jumps into the top four or who's a better chance to. Who would you say out of Fremantle or Carlton? 
Because mm. I'm tempted to put some uh, Me Hard Don't Die on the Blues to make top four. I think that they'll do it. Yeah, I can see the case for either. Um, yeah, don't know. I'll take the I'll take the Dockers game plan over the Blues talent. Yeah, there you go. Don't hate that call at all. All right, let's talk about some basketball because uh, we've got about a dozen to fifteen games left before the NBA fucking playoffs are here, mate. Mm. And we've got a team in this house that is leading the league in wins. I'm pretty sure, mm, and we've got another there. team in this house. That's in the top five in the league. And I reckon the last time we did the podcast, we were talking about how the Nuggets are going to have a better record than Cleveland. Well, I tell you what, they do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not by as much as we probably both thought. So a quick synopsis. We've just done the footy perspective for our local teams. Let's do basketball now. How do you feel about the Denver Nuggets currently sitting at 46 and 20 uh, as the playoffs are what? A month away, call it? I feel pretty good. We're going to lock up number one seed. Means we got home court through the West Finals, uh, West Playoffs, through the playoffs. Um, potentially even home court in the finals if we get there. So, look, there's a few teams you don't want to see in that eight slot. Don't want the Warriors or the Lakers mm. to get there. Um, and the Clippers are still floating around that spot. Hopefully it's more like the Wolves-Portland. Um, but feel good about... We've got the... Best player in the world, got great ancillary pieces. Nice, uh, good English. Thank you. Uh, I think we're going to go to a West Finals at very least. Um, and I think we could win it. So, Yep, I can't uh, disagree with that. Especially, like, you look at their home record. I think them and the Bucks have the best home record in the league at the moment, 30 and 5. Mm. If you've locked up the one seed at least for the conference. Like maybe Milwaukee or Boston will have a better record by the time it's all said and done. But to be that clear number one in the West, and it seems like Denver's home court is worth a bit more of an advantage, mm. especially when you factor in all the altitude BS. 100%. Like that, that gets you, call it a winner series, which yep. they certainly add up. Uh, useless sports by Fry stat time. You did mention that the Nuggies are on top, seven games clear of the now two-seeded Sacramento Kings mm -hmm. tied with Memphis. Uh, there's actually a seven-game gap between number two and number 10 as well yeah. in the West. So yeah. the Nuggets currently have the same gap as Sacramento has on the 10th-seeded Pelicans. So they're cruising. I agree. I think that they should be aiming for a West Finals berth minimum yeah. with a realistic, like, they'll, they'll all know they've got them for the chip. And the yep. standard best chance of doing it. So Feels good. Feels good, guys. I'm not as confident in Cleveland's championship credentials in 2023 Fair but enough. the way that they're playing it, i wouldn't be shocked if they were in the same position the nugs are in three years from now yeah so they've got the core they've got the young dudes the bench and the wing defenders need a bit of work but i was actually just watching a uh, highlight package and a bit of an analytical look down on uh, evan mobley and the like offensive leaps that he's made and things he's doing he's still shooting shit house from three but you know, we've got two super talented guards. Mobley's getting better. Jared Allen might be our most underrated player and our most important player. So those four, if we can keep them together, smooth sailing. Yeah, no, I think you guys are in a fine position. I like who you guys are defensively as well, big time. Best defense in the league yep. still at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, let's talk a little bit of uh, some little snapshots from the headlines around the league and a little bit of looking at the playoffs. So if the season ended today, you would get uh, the Denver Nuggets, let's say the play-in plays out the same way it's shaped, 
they would be playing the Dallas Mavericks. Mm. Did the Dallas Mavericks scare you? Yes or no? No, they don't. What about the Minnesota Timberwolves? Yes or no? Not even a little bit. Nah, yeah. I agree with that. Especially if Cat's playing. What about the Los Angeles Lakers? Let's address the elephant in the mm. room because without LeBron, they've still been okay. And ironically, since I saw a stat the other day that since Russ left, they've gone seven and three and the Clippers have gone three and seven. Yeah, right. So both LA teams, I think, could pose a threat if they get in that uh, bracket. But how do you feel specifically about taking on the Lakers? Um, look, I feel good about taking on anyone in the West, honestly, with a home court advantage. Um, I feel like Jokic can figure out anyone over a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Murray is right there with him. They'll sort of do it together. So I feel good. Um, AD's a worry. He's just a beast. Um, but I'm not so worried about LeBron anymore. I don't feel like he's so dominant that you have to drop everything to stop him and then AD takes over. They would worry me. I wouldn't be... I don't want to see them just because of their yeah. pedigree. Yeah. I think that they fall into exactly the same bracket as the Golden State Warriors who have that similar what's the mm. word fear around them given what they've achieved in the past and the names of the dudes on their roster but I don't know after watching the way that they've played this year if I I think before the the season I said I predicted a repeat mm. of the finals so they still could go on a run but I'm not as confident as I was this time uh, like at this point, early in the se- sorry, at early point of the season when they were rolling, they just can't get everyone healthy. Steph Curry's still having individually a great season, but I don't know if they're going to be able to piece it all together and go on a run. Yeah, I feel I don't think they're in the same category as the Lakers um, because I feel like they're more dangerous still. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have their identity. They still have their key players from all of their runs essentially. Um, so I would be a lot more worried about just matchup-wise even. The way you match up against the Warriors is it's not anything you do traditionally as a defense. So we can handle the Lakers. The Warriors would give us issues. At once again, not too worried, especially because they have to win a couple of games in Den- at least one game in Denver Yeah, when they've only won seven road games all year. Um, so I feel pretty good about it. But they're still fucking scary. They could still outscore you in every game yep. they yeah. are still the Golden State Warriors yep. uh, last team out west because uh, I know how you feel about the Memphis Grizzlies I assume I know how you feel about the Sacramento Kings where yeah. do you sit about a potential matchup against the Phoenix Suns because I think if everyone was looking at the bracket now they're like alright let's pick the two teams you want to see match up the most most people would pick probably Dallas and Phoenix but mm. I think the best basketball matchup the two best teams would be Denver versus the Suns in the West Finals. How do you feel about Phoenix? Uh, they're pretty scary, but it's just, again, it's all on talent. Kevin Durant hasn't won much in his life. Um, Chris Paul hasn't won much in his life. Devin Booker hasn't won anything in his life. So, I don't know. I, I, they're, they're really good on paper. We'll wait to see if it, if it works out. I don't know. I, you they've got the tools to certainly whoop our asses yeah. but they can't stop Jokic so let's see they don't, in fact they don't have great defence Chris Ball's a good sort of defender he's not necessarily Getting good old. he's not a good on ball defender he's a good defensive player not yeah. necessarily D-Book not a good defender KD never been 
necessarily a good on-ball defender. Again, he's a good sort of area defender, but I don't know. It's, yeah, it's whether the Nuggets can hit shots. Probably yeah. argue the same thing about just, any team. I was going to say, I wouldn't be... I think that if I was ranking the teams in the West right now, I'd put Phoenix just above the Nuggies mm-hmm. because of the Kevin Durant addition. And I think, you know, you're right. Defensively, I don't think they match up. They don't have a ton of stoppers to take on anyone, really. Mm. But those three on offense with DeAndre Ayton in the middle, I think will cause a lot of problems for West teams. Mm. Maybe not West teams named the Denver Nuggets because they've got a star their own in the middle but I'd love to see that series and just yeah. see how both teams go at it uh, looking to the west oh, sorry east now that we're transitioning over the Cavs would have to play the New York Knicks if the season ended today in a first round 4-5 matchup and I think I'm a little bit worried about that potential matchup you'd think the Cavs would get through but the Knicks they're one of the hottest teams since the All-Star break are they a team that we should seriously consider or are they just riding a hot streak right now and are destined to bow out in round one. They could cause uh, trouble in round one, but that's all they'll be able to do. They could win the first round, but that's as far as they'd go. Yeah, really, I don't... Let's be honest. I've been getting a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of stuff on my timeline about the Knicks and how well they're rolling, how Jalen Brunson's doing, how RJ Barrett's even playing some good basketball. they got Mitchell Robinson back now, but they just don't scare me like some no. of the other teams that you mentioned we're talking about the West I mean I could see it being a tight seven six game series and if they were playing Philly Boston or Milwaukee I probably wouldn't think the Knicks are going to amount no. to much so no. I don't know they did just beat Boston earlier this week so uh, let's talk about your favourite Eastern Conference squad the Philadelphia 76ers hmm. where do you rank them out of the contenders in the East because I think it's fair to say we both have the Bucks, Celtics 1 and 2 uh, yeah or would you push the Cavs or Sixers over one of those squads um, part of me is a bit tempted to push Joel Embiid and the Sixers above Boston mm-hmm. just because I think Joel causes a lot more issues than Tatum slash Brown slash anyone in fact he's probably the causes the most issues in the whole league because um, he's just a load just a lot to deal with I heard a crazy stat um, JJ Redick was reading out if you like Joel's defensive plus minus when he's on if you look over the last five seasons he would be he'd be the number one defense four seasons in a row and then this year fourth so he makes a huge impact defensively um, one that we we don't always see in the box score doesn't always bring up so what he, him and Harden can do, plus those guys like Toby Harris and Tyrese Maxey, I think are scary. Scarier to me than definitely the Cavs. And uh, something about that their stars scare me more than the Celtics stars. Because the Celtics rely on, uh, you know, committee to yeah, do it. As, mu- as, as great as those top two are, they still need other players to come with them. Joel could win, that, win a, three games in a series on his own. I would love to watch a Boston Philly like East semis or East mm. finals. I reckon that'd be a sick matchup. But I also I tend to agree. I think especially is it Joe Mazzula, the name of the Celtics coach? Oh, I've got no yeah. idea what that guy's After, name is. After um, Udoka yeah. was stood down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Joe Mazzula. I'm like, we've got to remember it's like this dude's first year yeah. coaching. Like he's yeah. prepping for his first NBA playoffs. 
And I know he's got good assistants around him. He's got a really deep team as well. But, yeah, I, you know, you get a cold shooting Jason Tatum night and all of a sudden Joel's yeah. got 38 going into the fourth and you're down 15. I could see it happening. I yeah. think the Sixers are the team that... Uh, one of the teams, sorry, that I put money on to win the chip at the start of the year because I thought it was, you know, almost championship or bust for them this year. If they uh, make the East Finals, that's like an achievement because yep. I don't think they've gone out of the second round since Embiid like started hitting the playoffs regularly. Sounds right. But yeah, I'm very intrigued to see them. And I, I, I think that the Cavs are just playing a bit with house money. Yeah. If they beat the Knicks in round one, sweet. If they lose, it'd be a bummer, but... I think if they get into a matchup against one of those top three, that'll only be good for their future potential. So, yeah, hopefully they can uh, prove me wrong and we have a Denver Nuggets, Cleveland Cavaliers NBA Finals. <laughs> Maybe. Let's cross our fingers. We'll have to drop... We'll have to pay a lot of money to get to that. Amen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know who's got the hardest strength of schedule? Philly did, the didn't season? they? Philly did. But uh, after today's games, it's now San Antonio. Oh, wow. Poor bastards. Then Phoenix, which is interesting. It's good. Uh, the Nuggies sitting at 18. The yep. Cavs have the easiest schedule remaining. Nice. So, like, just please, like, I don't think they can catch Philly, but I'm like, oh, well, it's two teams at opposite ends. Please just catch them. That'd be elite. Yeah, uh, be great. All right, before we get into the Mount Rushmore, I want call it three minutes of your time to discuss the MVP ballot. Uh, okay. And I think... Cause I'm, stupid fucking thing. I'm going to drop my race to the finish line ballot as like my next Sportsby article. And at the moment, I've got uh, a big list of contenders that I've just put in better luck next year. Tier two, I've got Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum. And then okay. tier one in reverse order, I've got Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic. And mm-hmm. I don't think that'll change. Yep, you're right. There's only three blokes who can win it <clears throat> at so, this point. What would it take for Giannis to win the MVP from here? Would we need to see like them overtake the Nuggets and put some distance between them? I or? thought they were above us, if I'm being honest. Oh, I they might that, genuinely be. I think they're going to need to finish top of the league. and Well, they're one and a half up on the Nuggies. Yeah, finish top of the league and... Mm, you know honestly do what they're doing right now I think he just needs to hold out and hope it, it's a snowball's chance against what Yoke's done He's yeah. won, he won the second straw poll by like huge numbers which pretty much always holds up at the start of the season if you said what's Yoke have to do to win MVP for a third straight year you would have said they've got to win the West which they're going to do and he's got to average a triple-double, which he's going to do. And, like, I don't give a shit what anyone says about stat padding or whether triple-doubles are valuable. They're 29 or and 0, might even be 30 and 0 when he gets a triple-double this season. So it has nothing to do with stat padding. What he's doing has never been done before. And, like, there's nothing that Embiid... Well, if Embiid has six to seven more 40-point games and they win the east then he could get it Giannis the same but like what's being done is just crazy yeah yeah so it should be Jokic's I don't give a fuck about that oh he hasn't won anything yet like this is the season everyone's known like you didn't count Jokic's off season last year because no one was there 
the year before very similarly dragged these teams into the playoffs yeah got them through a series or two but this year this is when you can start judging him but he's going to be a three-time mvp and even though sucks. yeah and they and all three of them deserve it it's it's not taking anything away like joel's had a fantastic year Giannis is having a career best year but it's a center averaging 10 assists a game. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Like. Yeah, I think whenever I was trying to justify why Jokic was ahead of the others, I would try to look for holes in Giannis or Embiid's argument. But I think you're right. I think those two thoroughly deserve it. And it's one of those rare times in the NBA where there's so many like offensive stats up for grabs that we've got tons of points per game, tons of scoring all these numbers get a little bit convoluted and you're like, oh, well, Jokic is doing this, but there's six dudes averaging 30. But the, I think the most crazy thing out of all of it is Jokic shooting 63% for the year. Yeah. Like he's done it, a triple-double, call it 25, 12 and 10, while shooting 60 plus percent and playing virtually every game. Like I know he missed a stretch of two or three earlier, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that it's going to take a lot for Giannis or Embiid to seriously throw their hat in the ring. I think it's it's virtually done and dusted. You take the if you take five assists off Jokic and put those shots, the five to ten shots onto his stats, he's probably leading the league in scoring. Probably. He yeah. pro- if, if he wanted to, he could, but he just doesn't need to. Um, yeah, great year from all three. Should be Jokic, um, but I don't give a shit anymore. Like doesn't matter much, i used to care but i don't yeah anymore. much like nikola Jokic himself doesn't really give a shit if he wins this third one no i can't see it not happening yeah uh and that'll be very interesting one day to talk about where he ranks on the all-time list of players uh which is a good transition into the first ramp rushmore of 2023 oh, wow. uh, the last one we looked at i didn't even have written down <laughs> but apparently I won. Well, so that yeah. takes our head-to-head ledger 12 to 9. Okay. All right. So I might have to do a little bit of uh, revisionist history on the next podcast. But for those new listeners, the Mount Rushmore theme is uh, very self-explanatory. JLo and I are going to draft four picks each uh, that will create our own individual Mount Rushmores. And then we'll decide who has the better collection that fits the uh, criteria. So in honour of Nikola Jokic and his fantastic season we're going to draft the greatest centers ever and we've Mm. said nba like you know you can kind of go back a bit in time in history if you want but i don't think there's a bloke like george mikan who's going to be popping up on the list no no apologies to george oh there goes my first pick yeah uh but i was on that topic i am a gracious host uh (laughs) and because i can't even remember the topic last time uh i think regardless you should have the number one pick okay. rolling into this. Thanks, mate. So uh, we'll alternate and pick you four. I'm very intrigued to see who you go first. Yeah, it's a tough one. I would have rather gone second on this one. Um, <clears throat> well, you can you can defer if you so choose. No. Because I'm such an accepting host that if you really want to give nah. me pick one. It's okay. I'll take, I'll take uh, the number one pick. There's really two guys that I considered here, um, but I'm just going to go the the safe one you know up until a few days ago scoring leader you know probably the most all-stars like if you look at his 
you know, there's that picture with Michael Jordan with all his trophies. I yeah. reckon Kareem's would be bigger. Um, so I'll take Mr. Abdul-Jabbar I think with that the number is a, one. A fantastic pick. Thanks, man. Uh, I do have some of the numbers here. He, one of the things I had written down was he's the all-time leading scorer, which was true mm. uh, when we originally planned on doing this <laughs> Mount Rushmore draft. But uh, two-time individual scoring champ, like throughout the season, one-time rebound, four-time blocks, three rings at the collegiate level. 11 All-Defense, 15 All-NBA, 19 All-Star, 6 MVPs, 2 Finals MVPs and 6 Championships. So I don't think there's a more decorated centre in the game. Yeah. And there might not be a more decorated player in the game other than perhaps LeBron. Uh, all right. Pick two, I Michael, think... Michael Jordan? Oh. Yeah, but well, I guess when you think in totality of awards. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, my pick... I don't think you can go any other direction. There's a couple of other players that I'm hoping slip that I can pounce on, but I think I have to second overall draft Will Chamberlain, the only bloke to score 100 points in a basketball game, uh, four MVP awards for himself, and almost identical splits when it comes to All-Stars, All-NBA, seven-time scoring champ. He's got the most points in a single game, but also has the most rebounds in a single game mm. at 55. So I'll take Wilt. With my first pick. Yeah, it's a bloody good one. Um, well, that's great because I actually had Shaq at my second slot and, you know, would have taken him number one overall. So I'm wow. glad I didn't give you... Sorry, I would have taken him number two. Yeah, okay. Yep, yeah, sorry. Know, man. So I get my number one, number two pick. I'll take Shaq. And, that you know, Wilt, I, I think he's one of the few players, definitely one of the few centres that would still dominate today. I'm not sure if how well Kareem would go. Olajuwon would still do well. There's a lot of guys who I think might struggle to translate to this, you know, extended three-point league. I think Will yep. will nail it. But out of all the guys on the list, I think there's no argument that Shaq would give every other centre the business. Probably the most dominant player <coughs> to ever play professional Easy. basketball or an NBA level. Anyway. Maybe any sport, mate. Like, yeah, it was well, so that's very dominant. possible, though. Yeah. So, Shaq number three. All right. Now I'm in an interesting spot. I think I'm going to go with the 11-time champion, mm-hmm. five-time MVP, and Wilt's rival for the majority of his career in Bill Russell, arguably the best defensive player ever. Uh, the most successful winner ever coached a team to a championship as well uh, I think he led a lot of the rebounding records until Wilt rocked up anyway and still has like a career average of 23 boards a game or something stupid so I'll lock in Bill Russell to pair with uh, Wilt for pick number four it's very nice uh, feel like I've got offense well and truly locked down and you've also yeah I mean you've got Wilt and Bill so it's going pretty well over yeah. there but I'm going to bolster it. I'm going to take the all-time block leader. Probably my favourite centre. Well, other than the Denver Nuggets superstar these days. But Hakeem Olajuwon was pretty much always my favourite player. Um, and I'm going to take him. Block leader. Also one of the most uh, elegant players to ever play the game. Changed the, you know, the big man in the way that they sort of operate in the post a lot. So, yeah. Hakeem, welcome. Welcome along, mate. See, I wanted to take Hakeem with my second pick and I was like nah 
I can't go past Bill. But yep. I think Hakeem's probably my favourite player that we've mentioned mm. so far. Like yep. Shaq is in a bit of a league of his own with his cult status. But yeah, I loved watching... Uh, well, I didn't watch him live, but watching the like highlights and watching yeah. Hakeem work. Yep. Um, okay. I think now I'm going to draft... Uh, the 1995 MVP <laughs> won quite a few rings uh, throughout his career. Battled Hakeem quite a bit. I'm mm-hmm. going David Robinson. He's a scoring, rebounding and blocks leader all in the same season. He's the only player ever to do that. Uh, like I said, on the MVP, 10-time All-Star and All-NBA dude. He was kind of the fabric of the Spurs like dynasty before Timmy Duncan rocked up. And I think having Duncan and Robinson is what made them such a powerhouse in the early 2000s. So I'll lock in uh, Dave Robb. And also, like, did was in the Navy for like four or five years, yeah. wasn't he? Like, probably would have had a much more illustrious career if not for that. Yeah, so. didn't end up on as many, like, point total or high up on the totals mm. lists, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, it'll be great motivation for Shaq seeing Dave Robinson on the other side. Um, and then, well, this is great because I'm going to take my... I've taken my second favourite player and now take probably my favourite player of all time um, in Nick Jokic because I think he... If you sort of start to look at the list, you see the Ewings, you see Dwight Howard, uh, Dikembe Mutombo, but I, I don't feel like there's much doubt in my mind. Uh, Moses Malone's the only other one mm. who's probably on the list. I didn't see enough of Moses. You just hear stories about him. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel great picking him. But uh, to pick the most versatile offensive big man, maybe player of all time, um, and chuck him on, on that Mount Rushmore is pretty exciting. So great. I got the, the best blocker. Oh, actually, Wilton Bill probably were. I got the most dominant. I've got the best scorer. Now I've got the best passer. So Yeah, I thought about going Jokic over Dave Robinson, but uh, kind of mentally conceded defeat. Four picks in. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I think that's a good quartet. Uh, I'm Like I said, happy with Wilton Russell as a duo. Dave Robb rounds out the group. Now, do I go for someone like a Dikembe Mutombo? Like Mm. big defender, big presence, a lot of impact. Do I go with uh, William Theodore Walton III, Mm. who was uh, a star back in the day before he got hurt? Yeah. Uh, I think Yao Ming deserves a somewhat honourable mention but didn't play for long enough. Very honourable. So it comes down to two dudes for me. It was either... Oh, sorry. Last one is uh, Robert Parrish who okay. played in the most games ever. I'm like, that's that's yep. good on you, mate. Pay that. Four rings, nine times All-Star. Uh, it comes down to whether I want a bit of scoring punch and a tough dude or if I want a bit of flash and someone to excite the fans. And I think I'm going with option... Two. Yep. And I'm going to draft Dwight Howard with my last pick. Pat Ewing would be a good selection. But if I was having those two square off against each other, I mean, similar to what we're talking about with Malone, I don't know the intricacies of Ewing's game in and out, but I feel like Dwight Howard in his prime would more than hold his own. He was a beast. So I'll draft Dwight Howard last. Yeah, it's a great choice. I would have probably gone the same route. You've got the three defensive player of the years, like plenty of block titles. He was... People forget about Dwight. Yeah. He was, for, for a decade, was the premier big man of the league. And a Toy Young Leopards all-star now, I'm pretty sure. A yeah. couple-time dunk champ. You know, he's done it all, yeah, Dwight. what hasn't Dwight Howard done? Yep. Did you see the video I threw up of him competing in the three-point shootout? Uh, I did, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, oh, last win? week. 
Don't think so. Okay. But he did hit four threes in a row, which apparently excited the uh, Philippine fans. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. He's out there somewhere. Shout out Dwight Howard. I don't yeah, know you're Dwight. listening. Somewhere. In, uh, yeah. That's it. A bumper first episode back. Good to have I'm you on back. the airwaves, mate. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I reckon... You know, we might have to just continue this momentum and just go straight to a regular Sunday sit-down. All right. Yeah, you make it happen, I'll be there, mate. All right. Thanks for joining, JLo. We will see you next time, mate. Peace.